Welcome to Cancer, the Emotional Mountain. I'm Tammy, a cancer patient with a roller coaster of emotions, and I want to share them with you. With the diagnosis of cancer comes emotions, feelings that no doctor can prepare you for, feelings that can sometimes consume you and take you over. As you try to navigate all the medical terminology, treatments, surgeries, friends, family, you have a mountain in your path. Some days the path is easy. No steep hills, no cliffs. And on other days, it might as well be Mount Everest without a guide, without food or water, and not even a map. On those days, you need someone who understands who walks the same path, someone who climbs with you. And that's where I come in. Take my hand and let's take it one step at a time together. Hi, welcome to the Straws that almost broke the camel's back. This part of my story is by far the hardest because I was just finishing up my treatments and hoping to get great news that my cancer was gone. Instead, my word, world fell apart. I've mentioned that I'm an only child, but growing up, I wasn't really. Right next door was my big sister. My cousin Kathy was 10 years older than me, but we were raised together by our parents. Her mom and dad were my mom and dad. My mom and dad were her mom and dad. She was also an only child. She had me tagging along. I look back at pictures. I'm a baby sitting on a front porch, and there she is right by my side. I'm starting my first day of kindergarten, and she's starting high school. When she was finishing her junior year in high school, her dad got a job promotion and was transferred to Texas. We were all in Nebraska. The decision was made that she would stay in Nebraska and finish her senior year while she lived with us. I was ecstatic. I had a big sister in the house. I was going to go everywhere with her. She had perfect hair, perfect nails, and the coolest clothes. Boys would come to pick her up for a date. My dad would interview them. I'd say I was going with them. Kathy and her date would put me in the car and drive me around the block, then bring me right back home. I was beaming. I went on a date. She was 18. I was 8. It was the 60s. She'd do my hair. I was so grown up and dating. At the end of her school year, she moved to be with her parents in Texas. I was heartbroken, but my parents promised me that we would go to Texas all the time, and we did. I spent summers in Paris, Texas. Who doesn't want to tell their friends they're going to, to Paris for the summer? As time went on, Kathy met Tommy. They were engaged to be married. I was going to be a junior bridesmaid. No flower girl for this grown-up. She was a vision. I idolized her. I want to be Kathy when I grow up. The years passed, and I graduated from high school. Where was I going to college? Well, duh, Texas. I'd practically been a native since I was eight. And those years were the best. College, new friends, parties, and best of all, 
Kathy and I were equals. I wasn't a bother. She didn't drive me around the block and take me back home. We went to clubs, honky-tonks in the backwoods where there were secret poker games in the back. I spent weekends at her house in Paris, and we talked well into the night. My best friend, my sister. As the years too quickly passed by, the t connection remained close. She would eventually move to Missouri, and I moved to Los Angeles. But every Christmas, no matter what, the two small families gathered for the holidays. Kathy and I once took a road trip to Colorado. I had fun, but jeez, she was a terrible driver. <laughs> we lost her mother first, then her father only nine months, months later. I was heartbroken. Kathy and I stuck together. She didn't do well with illness or death, but I held her hand. Five years later, my mom passed away. Kathy came, and she was there. More broken hearts. I stayed in Nebraska after my mom passed. I needed to be there for my dad. I'd been away from home for 20 years, always flying home in a crisis, an illness. Holidays I'd, that I'd spent stranded at the Denver airport. I actually missed my grandfather's funeral because my plane was grounded in Denver. A few years later, Kathy even moved back to Nebraska. The only family we had left was my dad and his older sister, our Aunt Tweet. Kathy and Tweet had always been very, very close. Tweet was over the moon to have her Kathy back. We had game nights at Kathy's. We hit the local bars, and it was just like the old days. Something was different about her, kind of like a light had dimmed. But our relationship was strong, and I just chalked it up to life. My dad was so proud of his girls. Kathy and her husband had taken scuba diving lessons, and she swam with the fish in the deep blue sea. I was a skydiver and danced in the deep blue sky. My dad had so many pictures of us doing our sport around his house, it was embarrassing. When we both ended up moving back to Nebraska, people would ask, Are you the scuba diver or the skydiver? Some days I would give anything to hear that pride in his voice again. Kathy only stayed in Nebraska one year. She headed back south to Louisiana. My aunt was sad and I was sad, but I understood. Nebraska weather can be brutal. Two years later, my dad passed away from a brain tumor. It was fast, six months to the day he was diagnosed. Kathy didn't come. In fact, she didn't even call. My aunt also disappeared. I stood alone at my dad's funeral, crushed, confused. I, I tried to understand why they'd abandoned me. Kathy and I fought through email. I didn't speak to either one of them for four years. After four years, hearts healed, and my aunt and Kathy and I were back together. And I chalked this up as, it happens in families. I put it away in a little mental pouch, something to discuss at another time. By the time I was diagnosed with cancer in November of 2020, Kathy and I were back to daily phone calls. I had moved in 2019 to Utah, my dream job, 
So when I was told to go to family for help, there was no doubt in my mind where I was going. My aunt, still in Nebraska at the age of 95, was in no position to care for me. So Louisiana, here I come. Something was definitely different about her when I arrived, but this was her home. Different friends, different interests. She lived with Laura for six years. Laura and I had short occasions to talk and get to know each other, but it's a big house and I was pretty sick. I had noticed that Kathy spent a lot of time in her room. Wasn't overly social like I'd known her to be. Laura said, well, she's been like this since she moved here. And by then, Kathy was 73. She had had some health issues, a serious abdominal operation a few years before, which I didn't know about until I moved to Louisiana, but she just probably didn't feel good. And it was COVID. (laughs) There were a couple times she was pretty nasty to me. I let it go. Sisters get on each other's nerves, after all. May was her birthday. She and three of her friends made plans to go to lunch. I wasn't invited. COVID and all. Oh, and cancer and chemo. (laughs) I was disappointed, but I called the restaurant and I sent her a chocolate martini. Right after her birthday, she seemed to spend even more time in her room. First of July, she spent a week in the hospital. Again, not allowed to go. Not even allowed to know what was going on with her. Hmm, this wasn't normal. Even my aunt was kept out of the loop. I was told to say nothing. It wasn't anyone's business. When she returned from the hospital, she couldn't walk. And no home health care had been assigned to her. I couldn't wrap my head around this. But she hid in her room. She didn't want me in there. She was being nasty. But I mean, she literally couldn't walk. After she'd been home three days, she fell. It took Laura and I 45 minutes to get her up. This was the last straw. I might have been kept out of the loop, but we needed help. Kathy was trying to convince Laura to remove her bathroom door so that she could scoot in there with her walker. Nope. I decided I wasn't going to play this game. I told Laura, call the doctor. Why was she sent home? Why don't we have help? We can't do this. The next day revealed more than we cared to know. When the home health care nurse arrived, and then a representative from the hospital, we learned that the representative from the hospital was discharging Kathy from the hospital of which she'd already been home for six days, when we also learned that she had refused home health care. And then the nurse, not knowing, accidentally talked about the mass in her lung to her. Cancer. Since 2018. Laura gasped and left the room. I found her later, later, crying in the other part of the house. I had stayed with the nurse and got the full details. Or so I thought. A doctor whose appointment she'd missed that week called. 
That evening, we were instructed to call an ambulance for her the next day and get her to the hospital. She was in critical condition. That night and the next day, I was her caregiver. I helped clean her up and make her comfortable. She was pissed. I didn't care. She refused to go to the hospital. I went outside the next morning and dialed 911. When they arrived, she looked at me with such hatred. I didn't care. What I cared about was her. That was on a Saturday. She refused any type of treatment in the hospital. She was supposed to have a biopsy on Monday morning. Laura received a call to come up to the hospital. I was to go up to the hospital around 11. This was around 9.30. I kept texting Laura, what's going on? Is she okay? Nothing. Finally, about an hour later, I got a text. Kathy has made her decision. She wants no treatments. She wants no tests. You need to come up here. We arranged hospice for her that Monday. So Tuesday afternoon at 3.30, she was brought home by ambulance. And by 10.30 that night, she passed away. Laura and I were numb. What had just happened? And five minutes after we had called the hospice nurse, and she was on her way, Laura turned to me and said, Since she's gone, I don't have to keep her secrets anymore. She had cervical cancer back in 2016. And she even had the same doctor that you have. I faded into a very dark place. My vision was shadows. My sister. My best friend. The person I had idolized my entire life. Secrets, lies, and meanness. When I needed her most. Laura had lost a dear friend. I had lost my heart. Then Laura told me, I didn't even hear about you until just before you came. All I knew is that she had a cousin who cheered for the Cowboys. That's all I meant to her? That's all I was to her? And she had left me to tell our 97-year-old aunt that she had died. Out of nowhere. No illness. Because that wasn't any of our business. How was I ever going to do that? It would crush her, possibly kill her. I had a CT scan scheduled for the next morning, and everyone said, you have to go. So I went. Later that afternoon, I got the call, and I was N-E-D. No evidence of disease. I should have been joyous, crying with joy but I just had pain. Friends of Kathy and Laura's came over. They were hugging and crying. I just stood back. I had to tell my aunt, her niece, more like a daughter to her, was gone. I had to lie. I listened to a letter Kathy had left for Laura, apparently some sort of last will and testament. It was read aloud to me. I listened. 
and I never heard my name. I never heard my aunt's name. Not our parents. Not anyone but Laura. I didn't exist in Kathy's world. And mine was crumbling around me. My vision was now darker, less light. I was looking at people, but I couldn't see them. On August 29th, Ida hit southern Louisiana with a vengeance. Fourteen days without power, no internet for thirty days. It was like I was cut off from the world. I'd sit in my truck, charging my cell phone, and listen to my aunt's question, question me over and over. What was wrong with her? Why did she die? Why aren't you telling me? I lied. I said it was her kidneys. They had failed, and it was too late, which was partially true. By that time, we learned that Kathy had had stage 4 kidney disease and was consumed in every organ and bone with cancer. I stared out the windshield, waiting for my phone to charge, praying for the power to the house and internet so I could reach out to my friends. And I lied to my aunt. The saving grace was that Laura and I had 14 nights in the dark with candles to talk, to get to know each other. And we had questions. So many questions. Time went on, and the day before Thanksgiving, I got a call. A CT scan that I'd had a few days before showed my cancer had returned. My vision was now just a pinhole. More chemo. I'm still dying. On December 17th, an aneurysm in my aunt's heart burst. She wasn't going to make it through the night. She died without me telling her the truth. All of this had killed her, and I couldn't even go to her. I walked slowly through life, getting information about my next round of chemo. They wanted to start it on Christmas Eve. No, no, I'm not go going to spend what could possibly be my last Christmas sick. Give me one last holiday. I'd had enough. Then on December 22nd, a call from the oncologist. They were not happy with me that I was waiting till after Christmas. This had eliminated me from one of their clinical studies. You have hepatitis B. No chemo. No clinical study. Now you can enjoy your holiday. And that was the end of the call. I had gotten hepatitis B from taking care of Kathy. Something else she'd hid from us. The pinhole closed, and my world went dark. There would be a new doctor for hepatitis. More tests. I didn't care. 2021 ended, and I didn't care. When you get thrown several curveballs while you have cancer, hope starts to fade. But you can't quit. It would be nice if all you had to deal with is the cancer. 
But life goes on and the world keeps spinning. So I want to share this with you. If you focus on the hurt, you will continue to suffer. If you focus on the lesson, you will continue to grow. Thank you for checking in with me this week. I warned you it was going to be a tough one. But obviously, I'm still alive. None of that killed me. And I'm stronger than I have ever been. You can handle whatever the universe throws at you. The world might go dark for a minute. But forgive those that have hurt you. Let your heart heal. I cannot wait to share with you how much joy and happiness I've found since 2021. So, before we meet again, join my Facebook group, Cancer, the Emotional Mountain. Subscri- subscribe to my podcast, if you haven't already. And send me a private message at C period emotional mountain at gmail.com. You have a story. It's important for you to tell it. You won't believe how strong you are when it's spoken. And that valley I fell in? Lush, green, soft grass, fed by a natural spring. I drank from the crystal cold waterfall. I danced barefoot in the grass. And then I put on my hiking boots, stared back up at the mountain, and started climbing back to the top. Heading back to what used to be home, passing by those little towns I know so well, stopping for gas, and then I'm behind the wheel again. Driving this like a spiritual cleanse Where every mile is a new beginning And every friend holds a new end Eyes on the road, don't lose control I'm speeding fast to chase my soul I'm driving to get away Running through emotions high and low Holding on a letting go For the sky, I had it all but lost and fell back down again. Spent my time playing the game where every single day was a losing battle and every drink was a dead end. Eyes on the ground, don't lose control. I'm living fast, I lost my soul.